right. Hey, guys, listen, if today is your uh, first time you're visiting with us, my name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor. We're excited to have you here uh, with us just to celebrate Christmas. And um, if you are here for the first time, you're brand new, we've got a gift we would love to give you today, all right? So all you need to do is fill out the connection card that's somewhere around you. Take it to the welcome area out there in the lobby after service, and we'll just uh, exchange that gift uh, for the card. And I'd love to meet you, shake your hand, answer any questions you have, pray with you about anything. Just any way we can serve you, uh, we will be at the welcome area after church today, all right? Hey, we're going to jump in, but before we jump in, I want to say something really important. Next Sunday, there is one service at 1115, all right? So next Sunday, just just next Sunday, just for next Sunday, it's the last Sunday of the year, all right? So next Sunday, uh, there is no 930 service, um, and uh, so there's only one at 1115, all right? So one service at 1115 next Sunday. Next Sunday, there are how many services? And it starts at? And you're coming to it. That's amazing. All right. So, uh, so hey, listen, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 2, 36 through 38. Um, do not worry about that if it's not working. doesn't matter. All right. So Luke chapter 2, 36 through 38 is where we're going to be at in just a moment uh, this morning. Now, how many, of you, uh, how many of you have asked someone or you've been asked by someone this Christmas season, what do you want? You might have been asked that, or you've asked somebody that. Anybody at all? Okay, several, several hands are going up. And here's the deal. Maybe you know exactly what you want for Christmas, and you've kind of, you know, made a list, and you printed it out, laminated it, you know, gave it to all your friends and family, texted it to everybody, posted it on Facebook. You've shared your Amazon wish list with all of your friends and, and that sort of thing. You just know exactly what you want. Or you're here and you have no idea what you want for Christmas. People have asked you and you're like, listen, I have, I have no idea what I want for Christmas. You know, or you, you just can't think of anything. Here, here's what I know is true about every single person. Whether I know you or not, this is, this is just universally true about all of us today. It's that every one of us wants something. Every one of us. Everybody in the room. Everybody wants something. Now maybe it's something that you're going to be able to open on Christmas Day. But maybe it's something that you can't open at all. Maybe you just want things to get better at home. Maybe you uh, would like to be in some kind of relationship. Maybe you want to graduate and get out of school or, or change schools. I don't know where you are today, but here's what I know about you. I know that you want something. And what we're going to do today is we are going to look at a part of the Christmas story that, honestly, we don't talk about a lot. I think one of the reasons we don't talk about it because it's just three verses. We're going to look at a lady in the Christmas story named Anna. And we get three verses about Anna. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38 is where we're going to be at. So Luke chapter 2, 36 through 38. Open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do today. Uh, we're going to look at this, uh, this woman. And all we do is we get three verses about her, meet her in the Christmas story. That's all we get. Luke 2, 36 through 38. And it says this, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
So this is Anna. Anna is a prophetess. Okay, what's a prophetess? She's a prophet. So she speaks for God. She gets revelation from God. She tells people about God. Anna's a prophet. And, we, and all we know about Anna is literally three verses right here. There's nothing else in the Bible about this woman right here. These three verses that Luke gives us right here. And, and what we know about Anna, we get a little bit of her life in verse 36. In verse 36, it says that she lived with her husband for seven years. Okay, now stop right there. Now let's think about the Christmas story for a second, the Christmas story that you know. Right? So the angel comes to Mary. The angel tells Mary, Mary, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I'm engaged to a man. His name's Joseph, and, and we're not married, and that sort of thing. Here, here's what you need to know, and this, is, this sounds odd, but it's just true about the time that Mary, Joseph, and Anna would have lived. When the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a, a son and his name's Jesus. And Mary says, listen, I'm a virgin. And there's all kinds of things that stick out about why it's not possible. One of the things that would really stick out to us is that it was customary in this day to get married very young. Odds are when the angel comes to Mary, Mary is a teenager. Anna getting married, Anna is a teenager, probably. And, and it would have been, again, different day, different time. But it would have been completely customary for Mary and Anna to possibly be married as young as 13 years old. And, and so all we know is that, is that Anna, just like Mary, Mary was engaged, a teenager. Anna was married when she was a teenager. Again, could have been as young as 13. Nobody knows. But it was just customary in that day. And what we know about Anna's marriage is that it lasted seven years. And something happened because at the end of seven years, her husband died. And so Anna is married for seven years. Her husband passes away, and something just happens in Anna's heart. I mean, she's a worshiper of God. She's, she's part of God's people. You know, Israel, she's a Jew. She just loves the Lord. But, man, something happens in Anna's life when her husband dies. And when her husband dies, she completely sells her life out to God. Anna just completely begins to live for God. I mean, I mean, literally as much as she possibly can. Because if you saw there in verse 37, she was a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple. Look at that. She did not depart from the temple. Once Anna's husband dies, something happens, and she just gets sold out to God. She literally goes and lives in the temple for the rest of her life. Temple at this time in Jerusalem would have been the, the, the center of the community. It would have been where, where everyone would have meant to, to, would have went rather to congregate, to be with each other. They would have worshipped there. They would have prayed in the temple. They would have offered sacrifice in the temple. I mean, the temple was the center of life, all right? The only modern day equivalent we have around here, I mean, think of the temple, you know, think of Walmart. There you go. There's a good comparison, all right? Just the center of life where everybody goes, all right? I'm just trying to bring you in to the biblical story is what I'm trying to do, you know? But Anna lived in the temple. Biblical scholars think that they possibly set a room aside for Anna to live in. And did you notice what she was doing? Think about this. Anna lived the rest of her life in the temple. Look at it, verse 37. Fasting and praying. Here's the thing. When people fast and pray, it's usually because they want something. People usually fast and pray because they want something. And here's the thing we know about Anna. Anna wanted God to do something. She, that's why she's fasting. That's why she's praying. And here's the thing about it. She waited for it. Anna moves into the temple after her husband dies, after her marriage ends. She spends decades living in the temple in fasting and prayer. She wanted God to do something. And here's the thing. She had to wait for it. Man, my hand's already up. Anybody in here bad at waiting? That's me. 
All right? You put me in a waiting room, I start to squirm. Even if traffic is moving slow, I'm like, ah! You know, I, I just have a hard time waiting. Have you ever prayed about something for like a week and felt like God's not hearing you, it's been too long, and you just walk away from it, right? Imagine that. You know, we pray for something a week, and we're like, God, are you hearing us? A month, God, where are you? Three months, is God even listening to me? A year? This woman prays for decades. In fact, one of the things that, that sticks out about this, when it says in verse 37, I want you to see this. When it says in verse 37, Anna was a widow until she was 84, that doesn't necessarily mean that when we meet her here in Luke 2, she's 84 years old. Most biblical scholars think that what Luke is actually trying to get us to see is that from the time Anna died to this moment where we meet her right in the temple, 84 years have passed. So we don't know when Anna's husband dies, but there are people who believe that Anna actually could have been over 100 years old, maybe 104 years old possibly. So here's this woman. I love Anna. All we get is three verses. Think about this. Here is this woman. Luke says, she is advanced in years, praying, waiting on God. She's not bitter. She's not cynical. She's not jaded. She's advanced in years, full of faith, full of hope, full of life. She is waiting on God. She wants God to move on her behalf. And what she wants from God is Anna wants to see Jesus. Anna knows all the promises in the Old Testament about how God is going to send a Messiah. God's going to send a Savior. She wants to see those promises fulfilled in her lifetime. She is fasting and praying. It says there in the last verse, verse 38, she's fasting and praying for the redemption of Israel. She knows if Israel, if Jerusalem's going to be redeemed, it's because God sends the Messiah. She wants to see Jesus. And right here in Luke 2, this woman advanced in years is in the temple praying and fasting. And who walks up to her? Jesus. See, it was customary in this day for Jewish parents to bring their children into the temple to, to dedicate them to the Lord. So Jesus was not a baby here, okay? Jesus wasn't a baby here. This was several years after Jesus is born and in the manger and everything we know around the Christmas night. This was several years later. So Jesus is, is a toddler at least. He's older now. And Jesus Christ, a little bitty boy, walks up to Anna. And Anna in that moment realizes who Jesus is. In verse 38, she began giving thanks to God, speaking of Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I mean, think about that. She wanted more than anything to see Jesus, and all of a sudden she'd waited her whole life, and there he was. She just wanted to see Jesus. And here's what I know about you. I know that every single one of us, we are in this story. We can relate to Anna. We're, we're in this story. This story historically happened. Anna's a real person. Fig this isn't figurative language. This isn't a metaphor or anything like that. Anna was a real person. This actually happened. But here's what I want you and I to see. I want us to see that we're in this story. We're in these three verses. When I look at these three verses, really two questions come to my mind, and I want to ask them to us this morning and get us to think about it this morning during the Christmas season. Here's the first question that comes to my mind as we look at the life of Anna, and it's just simply this, a question for you. What do you want? What do you, this morning, you specifically, not even about anybody else, what do you specifically want? What do you want? A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about what we were going to do here this morning, and I, and I looked up online 
What's the most wanted Christmas gifts this year? I, I looked up, you know, just what, what do kids want most? What's the most popular toy the kids want for Christmas this year? Every website I went to, every single website I went to, like top 10, top 20, towards the top of every single most wanted list, Christmas 2019, anything and everything, baby shark. Does anybody know what baby shark is? Raise your hand if you know what baby shark is. Now, some hands are not going up, so I thought I would bless you. Let's go ahead back there in the booth. I thought I would bless you. We'll see if we can get this to work. There you go. There you go. That feeling is the Holy Spirit coming over you right now. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Those two little kids in that 30-second video have made more money than you will ever make in your life. You just need to know that. You just need to know. According to the American dream, you'll never touch those two kids, all right? Thanks for coming to Summit. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas, right? But here's the deal. You might have never, you might not, maybe, now, yesterday we were out Christmas shopping, my family and I. We literally, there's somebody in our family, we bought them something. They want, they love baby shark, you know, and so we bought some baby shark things uh, for Christmas this year for somebody in our family, and that somebody is me. Um, but, uh, but maybe you're here and you, you don't know who Baby Shark, you didn't know what Baby Shark is. Maybe you're thinking, listen, I just want this segment of the sermon to end, really. That's what I want. Um, maybe you don't want anything at all to do with Baby Shark, but here's what I know. You want something. Maybe you want your marriage to, to get better. Maybe somebody you know is sick and you want them to get healed. I don't know what you want for Christmas. It really doesn't matter because every single one of us in the room, we all want something. The reason that I know that is because psychologists, sociologists, and more importantly, Jesus Christ, tell us that every single one of us have needs. Every one of us have needs. And, and psychologists, sociologists, they, they've studied human needs, you know, people all over the world throughout history. And really, human needs breaks down into four or five categories. I think I've got them up on the screen if we can uh, bring them up. The first category is not on the screen. It's just a base level uh, need. We all need Food, air, water, you know, sleep, that sort of thing. We need that. But here's the thing. Once you get past basic needs that we all have, basic wants that we all have, the further you go, the deeper it gets. So after basic needs, basic level food, shelter, water, we need to feel safe. Every single person needs, wants to feel protected. They want to know that someone or something cares for them. Then the next level of human need, people say, is a need for love and belonging. We, we, we need, we talk about this all the time as a church, we need community. We need intimacy in our lives. We, we don't want to be left out. We want to belong. A basic human need, we want to be loved. Another one, deeper, value. We want value for our life. We want to feel significant. We want to be known. We want someone or something to know us, flaws and all, and they still love and accept us. Everyone wants that. Every single person. It doesn't matter if you're American. It doesn't matter if you live in some tribe in some corner of a third world country. Every single person wants to know that they're valued. They want to know that they matter. They want to know that there's a chance someone knows them, knows what they're going through, and they're not alone. And then the last one, the highest level, is that every single person wants purpose and fulfillment for their life. Every single one of us, every single one of us, we want purpose for our lives. We want something to fulfill us. I mean, psychologists say this, sociologists say this. Here's this, Jesus Christ says it. 
It's not on the screen, but Jesus in Mark 9 says every single thing that you and I say, do, think, everything we do flows out of the heart. And when Jesus in the Bible is talking about the heart, not, not, he, they don't mean our physical organ, the heart. They really mean mission control for our lives. They really mean this control center, this desired center that every single person has from God and flowing out of that center, flowing out of our hearts, are needs and wants and desire. Another way to think about your heart, according to Jesus, is your soul. And so think about it this way. What do you want? There's what you want, but then according to Jesus and the New Testament authors, underneath what you want is what you really want. Does that make sense? Underneath what you say that you want, what do you want? Well, Mark, here's what I want. Underneath what you want is what you really want. Mark, I want more money. Okay, well, one of the reasons that some of us want more money is because money makes us feel safe. Money makes us feel secure. There is a sense of security that comes with it. I want a different job. Why do you want a different job? Well, a lot of people want a different job because they worked and they studied and they, they worked so hard to get a certain job because they thought if I get that job, it will give purpose and fulfillment to my life. And I talk to people over and over and over who get that job and it does not give them what they want. You post a thousand selfies online every day on Facebook and Instagram, and we don't think anything of it. Why do we do that? Because at some level, we want to be known, and we want other people to tell us that we matter. Here's my question. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Those needs to be known, safe, secure. Where, does the, where do those desires come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. You guys asked really good questions. Those things come from, they, listen, they don't come from, they're not an accident. Those things come from God. God gave us that heart. God gave us those desires. God put the desire to be known and have purpose, fulfillment, all of those things to be safe and cared for, loved. God put all of those things in us so that we would go to Him because in God is the only true place that we can find the fulfillment for those wants and desires that we have. So God gave us those desires for all those things because we can only find them in Him. But here's the problem. The problem is that instead of living and finding our purpose, identity, and worth in a relationship with God, we've all sinned. So instead of building a life on God, we've tried, I've tried, humanity, we've all tried. The Bible says everyone has sinned. And, and sin means that we've tried to build a life apart from God. Listen to how the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1, describes sin. Romans 1.25. Look at this. Watch this. Watch how the Apostle Paul, man, is just unpacking our hearts this morning. Man, this is so sophisticated. I love it. They exchange, they, humanity, you and I, I've done this. They exchange the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served. Watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Do you see that? Sin causes, us, sin causes us, instead of worshiping God, serving God, to worship things that God made. So instead of finding our purpose in God, our identity in God, instead of going to God for the deepest desires in our souls, now what we do because of sin is we try to build lives apart from God and go to things that God made. People talk this way all the time. If I get that job, then I'll be what? You ever heard it? happy. 
if I had a life like that, that's the good life. If I made that much money, I'd never have to worry about anything in my life. If I made the team, if I made those kind of grades, if I looked like that, if I was as athletic as those people, then I would be happy. This is just the air that we breathe in the world. The world just pumps into us every single day. Do what feels good. Do what feels right. Follow your heart or what is what all the Disney princesses tell us. Do what's going to make you happy. And we build a life apart from God. And here's the thing. We think that a life apart from God will lead to freedom. The world wants you to believe, sin wants you to believe that life apart from God is a life of freedom. I don't know what you think about God. I don't know what you believe about spiritual things. Maybe you're here and you think that God's all rules and that a life built on God. Listen, all God wants to do is God wants me to keep a bunch of rules. God takes all the fun away. A life apart from God, is that's where freedom is. Freedom isn't with God. Freedom is away from God. Here's my question if that's how you think. Do the friends at your school look free? Do they? Does the world, the world building a life apart from God, does the world that we live in look free? Do your co-workers seem free? Look at me, building a life apart from God does not lead to freedom. Instead, it leads to slavery, to sin, and ultimately death. That's what it leads to. So I just want to ask you this morning, what do you want? I mean, in your heart of hearts, what do you want? I want purpose. I want hope. I want forgiveness. I want reconciliation. I want healing. I want to know that somebody knows what I'm going through. I want to know that it's going to be okay. I want to know that things are going to work out. I want to know that this life has purpose. I want to know that I'm not in this alone. What do you want? Because all of us want something. But here's my last question. I think the last question is honestly maybe the biggest question, and it's just simply this. What does God want? I mean, we talked about what you want, but what does God want? And here's the thing. What does God want specifically with you? What does God want with you? And can I tell you what God wants with you? Can I tell you what God wants? Look at me. Here's what God wants. God wants to be with you. That's it. God doesn't want anything from you. God's not telling you to jump through all kinds of religious hoops. God's not in heaven hoping that you could suck it up and get your act together. Listen to me, church. God wants to be with you. This is what Christmas is all about, isn't it? The angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, Mary's going to have a son. Your son will save his people from their sins. You will call him what? Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God, you tell me, with us. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. If you've been coming to Summit for the past three or four weeks in our series In Between, one of the things we said every week in this series is God's not in heaven waiting for us to come up to Him. The heartbeat of the Father has always been to come down to be with us. God wants to come down to be with us. Why? Here's why. Because what you want and what God wants for you are not at odds. They are equal. Do you hear that? 
Man, you got to hear that. That is a game-changing way to think about God. That's a game-changing way to think about what life and the Father is all about. Because some of us think that God wants to take life from us, take fun, take freedom. Listen, your desire for freedom, for purpose, to be known, to be satisfied, to be happy, it is not at odds with God. The Bible says in Psalms that God wants to give us the desires of our heart. The problem is that sin has distorted our desires because if we could get down to the base root of everything we want I am telling you church what we want in our heart of hearts is God and God alone the only way that you can find true purpose that lasts is in God the only way that you can find true love that lasts is in God the only way that you can find safety security the only way that you can be known and to be known in a way the Bible talks Genesis 1 they were naked and not ashamed meaning they couldn't hide anything from him and God loved them anyway listen if you want to be known you can have it in God listen I'm just telling you this morning you might be here and, and you think that the Bible is all rules. The Bible is not all rules. What God is doing in the Bible is God is trying to paint a picture to show us who he is and what life with him is like so that when I compare anything else to what that life looks like, it pales in comparison to a life lived with God. This is all Jesus talked about. That Jesus came to fulfill the deepest desires and longings of the human soul. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has seven I am statements. I think I put them on the screen here for us if we can look at them. Jesus has seven I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. What's he mean by that? He's, Jesus says, listen, I know you're hungry. I know your soul and your heart is so hungry. And I came to fulfill the deepest hunger in your soul. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So listen, if you're in darkness this morning, you're afraid to be known, you can come out of darkness into the light and experience the love and mercy of God today. Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep. What's that mean? It means that Jesus cares for us. It means that we belong. You might not have made the team. You might not have got that job. But I'm telling you, you can be a part of the family of God. Amen? And you belong there. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. That is safety now and for all of eternity. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Listen, in there is status. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. Jesus cares for the sheep. Did you know that Jesus has never lost one of his sheep? Hello? Not a one knows you by name, knows the hair on your head. Some of you, that's easier than for others. Means he cares for us. He loves us. I'm just trying to see if you're still with me here this morning. Means you're loved. I am the way and the truth and the life. Is there, is there, is, is there any way to live our lives? How, what is true? What is life all about? All of those things, you can have it in Jesus. And there's one more, and it's not up on the screen. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And what that simply means is everything that you want in your heart of hearts, you can have it, but you can only have it in Christ. This is what Christmas is all about, God with you. And this isn't just what Christmas is all about, this is what everything is all about. What does God want? God wants to be with you. Did you know that? Just as a friend, as someone that you can talk to, 
as someone who is walking with you through the hardest and darkest moments of your life. Mark, I don't know anything about God. I've heard things about God. Mark, what does God want? God wants to be with you. So our time today just simply comes down to this question. Can you confidently say that God is with you? I mean, can you confidently say it? Can you confidently say that God is with you? I am not asking you if you are a good person. Because listen, if our goodness was good enough, we don't need Christmas. Jesus came because I need to be forgiven even for my good things, not just my bad things. I can't work my way into God's love and goodness and grace. Instead, God sent goodness, love, and grace after me in the person of Jesus. And so I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? I'm not asking you, do you believe that Jesus is real? I'm not asking you, do you enjoy church? I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm asking you, can you confidently say God is with me. Man, I'm not perfect, but I know the Spirit's living inside of me. I'm not perfect, but I know Jesus. I know Jesus not as a God out there, but a God right here. He's with me. He lives inside of me. Can you say that? Because listen, if you can't, God wants to be with you. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. I believe that's why God brought you here. God wants to be with you here today. God wants to begin a relationship with you right now. You might be here and maybe you've tried all kinds of highs. You've tried all kinds of experiences. You haven't denied yourself anything that the world says here. This is what life's all about. And man, you went after it. You went after it as hard and as fast as you can. And you're still hungry and you're still thirsty. Listen, the reason you're still hungry and thirsty is because you want God. The world can't satisfy that longing. And God wants to be with you. But here's the thing. You have got to come to Him. You have got to come to Him. And the way that you come to God in Christ is through what the Bible calls repentance and faith. To turn from sin. To turn from building a life apart from God. And to say, Jesus, this isn't working for me anymore. Jesus, I need you in my life. If you're here today and you can't confidently say that God is with you, Listen, you are loved by God. Maybe you had a horrible experience in church in the past. And all of a sudden, you just find yourself here. I don't know what got you here this morning. But church hurt your feelings. Some Christians didn't do well at representing who God was. And, and, and that's burned you with Christianity. That's jaded you with spiritual things. Can I just tell you, a lot of times God's people don't represent Him well. But listen, don't let a, pa a bad experience in the past cut you off or keep you from the love that you were made to know. If you can't confidently say that God is with you, today's, is the, today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day where you just need to come to God and say, God, I want to be with you. And listen, if you go to God simply as that, God, I want to be with you. Here's my life. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. You'll be forgiven for all of your sins, past, present, and future. You can begin a relationship with God. Mark, what happens when I mess up? Listen, it's not an if, it's a when, because we're all still sinners. We still struggle. And I am telling you that when we fall, grace is right there to pick us up. We just need to go back to Him. Hello? Amen? Anybody? Right? Right? So if God's not with you today, what's God want? To be with you. Or maybe you're here today and you are a Christian. You're a Christian. You're a, you, you, 
been going to this church for years. You've got a relationship with Jesus, but the wonder of God being with you has faded. You're just used to it. You know what I love about Christmas? One of the things I love about Christmas, I love how pumped kids get. I love it. I love, I love the wonder of kids. My little girl, Chloe, she's seven. She just said out of the blue yesterday, she said, Dad, I'm so excited about Christmas. I love it. I think that God wants us to have that kind of wonder and awe in the fact that God saved us and now we're his kids. I think, that, I think, God, I think God wants me to learn how to be more like my seven-year-old right now at this time of year and just be in awe and wonder that the God of the universe would just love me and save me. And so listen, if you're here and you've lost that wonder, you've lost that awe, you're kind of used to it, I want to tell you it's not normal. And God loves you so much you can go to him today and say, God, I've lost the wonder, I've lost that awe. Just restore the joy of my salvation. I don't know where you are today. I don't know how the Spirit of God is moving in your life, but what I know is that you want something. And the deepest longing of your heart, God wants to fulfill it. But you need to go to Him. And so right now, that's exactly what we're going to do. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes, and, and let's just get in a spirit of prayer, and, and let's just begin to go to God and, and to pray. I don't know how the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you over these past few moments, but Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus and God, I pray for every single person in this church right now. Jesus, Christmas is a time of wonder. It's a time of, of awe. It's a time of excitement. And the reason it's a time of all of those things, because Christmas reminds us that you came. It's the wonder that you came. It's the awe that you came. And you didn't just come, but you came for us. It's the excitement that, 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 God, in spite of all that we are, we are loved, we are known, we are cared for, we are protected. Everything that our hearts longs for, Father, is in you. And so, God, right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would, would give us clarity. One, over can we confidently say that you're with us? God, can we confidently say it? Do we have assurance of our salvation? Do we have the assurance that in fact we are sons and daughters of God? Father, if there is anyone in this room this morning who does not have that assurance and confidence, or if there is anyone in the room this morning who knows they don't have a relationship with you, they believe in you, and they're probably a good person, but they've never, they, they've never experienced the joy of their sins forgiven. They don't know what it means to have you as a friend. And they might be wondering, God, why are they even here? And Father, right now, would you just tell them that they're here because you wanted to tell them. You just want to be with them. God, I pray for your children that we're just kind of over it. We've just sort of, for some reason, lost the wonder of salvation, lost the awe that the God of the universe put on skin. And he did it for me. And he did it for us. 
And so, Father, this Christmas, we need you to restore the joy of our salvation. We need to stop trying to drink from the world's fountains and stop trying to go to the stop trying to go to the world to give us what we can only truly find in you. And so right now, just with every single head bowed, with every eye closed, I wonder if you're here today and, and you are a Christian. God is with you, but you have lost the wonder of it. There's no joy in your salvation. It's, it's just routine. And today, the Spirit of God is, is opening your eyes. And right now, just there's a prayer in your heart that says, God, I want wonder back. I want joy back. Father, remind me, remind me that I'm yours. So if you're here today, just with every single head bowed and eye closed, if you're here today and you'd say, Mark, I'm a Christian, but, but Mark, I've lost that wonder and joy of, of being saved and being a child of God, and I want that wonder and joy back. If that's you, just put your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Just in a moment of honesty, anyone in the room, there's a hand. Anyone else? I've just lost that wonder. There, anyone else? Just put your hand up high so I can see it. There's a hand right there. There's another one. I just want the joy of my salvation back. I just want to be in wonder and awe again that the Father would love me. Anyone else in the room? I just want that back again. God, I pray for every single person whose hand just now went up. God, that you would just bring a, a personal revival into their soul. Just even right now, remind them that they're forgiven, that it's grace that's brought them where they are. Father, that you have paid for their sins, that, God, they are your sons and daughters. God, remind us again. But, but maybe you're here, and maybe you come every week. Maybe you're very religious. Maybe you believe in God, but you don't have a relationship with Him. You're not a Christian, and you know it. Today, for the very first time, you need to be saved. And you want to give your life to Jesus. Listen, right now, if you want God to be with you the way that I just talked about, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is a prayer that says, God, I want to be with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to begin to live for you. If that's you today and you want God to be with you, you want to start a relationship with Him and be saved, forgiven, have Him in your life. Pray this prayer with me today, right there where you're at. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now. Be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, be with me. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. God, I give my life to you right now. 